everyone. This is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing guests. And today, like always, we've got a great guest for you. We've got a great show. We've got Pastor Tim Ross, who's uh, done some great things out there in the Christian world. He just wrote a book called Upset the World, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to get a note know Tim on a personal level because that's what our show is about, up close and personal. So Tim, are you here? Tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, how did you become a pastor and what led to that a little bit? Because, you know, I like to get to know people. And even if this ain't in the article, I want to know, yeah. you know. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. So I was born and raised in Inglewood, California. Uh, my father worked for the Postal uh, Service for uh, 33 years. My mother worked for the Los Angeles Police Department for 30 years. Uh, I mm-hmm. actually uh, went to school uh, and studied administration of justice in college because my lifelong dream was to be a homicide detective. Uh, oh, wow. At the age of 20, uh, at the age of 20, in January 14th of 1996, I gave my life to Christ, and a month later, I preached my first sermon. And I've been preaching oh, wow. 24 years. That's the short it, story. Talk about, <laughs> you know, talk about the run of the mill, right? You, you just spam, and there you are. God, when God moves, yeah. moves fast. Huh? That's right. That's right. <clears throat> so as, um, as you know right now with this whole virus stuff, um, what can Christians do to kind of help heal our nation? Uh, as it relates to the virus, you know, um, that has caused a lot of people to be isolated. Subsequently, a lot of people have wound up uh, depressed, disconnected. And um, I think for believers uh, in particular, I feel like this is an opportunity to reset. This is an opportunity for us yeah. to reset back to what we feel um, Scripture says to us about what our priorities are, our faith in Jesus mm our uh, ability to go through scripture, uh, to pray for each other, to fellowship, and to share a meal. I mean, that's Acts 242 in a nutshell. And so I feel like um, on top of that, what's been been interesting with the cultural climate uh, racially Mm -hmm. is almost like God was like, you know what? Uh, Everybody get out of my church (laughs) and (laughs) go home and and, and figure out if you want to be one body. And mm-hmm. once you settle that, then maybe you can come back to church. So I feel like there's a there. lot of time. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of time for self-reflection, a lot of time for self-inspection. And I think we'll, mm-hmm. we, if we would do those things, become curious about ourselves in these seasons, um, yeah. I think we'll grow exponentially as a result of it. And, you know, one thing I'm seeing come out of this that, I, you know, I have preached to people. I preach on Facebook a lot where just mm-hmm. with, through texting and all that. And one thing I, I'm always talking about now, now, granted, my wife and I, we've been a 24-7 couple for 17 years of marriage. I don't preach oh. that people should live the way we live. But, but I yeah. think time is one of the biggest disasters of almost most marriages. They just, they just don't spend yeah. time together anymore. And sure. so – I see this moment as families coming back together and refiguring out each other again. I agree. I absolutely agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, this is, this is a time where our family has even come together again, stronger uh, than we were before. We're, we're, we're mm-hmm. becoming more curious about each other. We're, we're finding out yeah. um, 
what we're thinking and we're getting more interested in each other's worlds. And I think as a result, mm-hmm. uh, we're richer uh, because of this time that we've had away from everybody else. Yeah. And I believe that we're going to see, a, at least I hope, what comes out of this is a more work-life balance. I do too. And I think it will. <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I don't, we're not going back to whatever normal was prior to this. <laughs> and so yeah, whatever the whatever the new normal is going to be, I, I hope is uh, I hope that we write some very uh, clear, healthy definitions of what work life mm-hmm. balance is, what uh, service to community is, what service to people is, what our devotion mm-hmm. to God looks like. I, I, I hope we hope we come away with some clear takeaways. And, you know, we actually were first introduced to you through the XO conference. Really? Yeah, yeah. Here in Savannah, um, Overcoming by Faith Church um, every year puts on the con- um, does a the seminar class of it. And oh. um, I remember about four years ago, um, we 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 used to go to their church years ago, but we still keep up with them. And and about four years mm-hmm. ago, they opened. They've always done it for their, their five years ago. They posted on Facebook that they've always been for their church, but you know what? We're going to do something different. We're going to just open up to the public. Anybody that wants to come, we got child care, everything free. Just show up. And Sandy and I was like, oh, my God, right in our backyard. So so we've been attending (laughs) every year. So so we're in their system. So every year they look forward. They're like, oh, we know you're coming. Because, I mean, I'm Facebook friends with, with Ricky and Diane Temple. Some of coming by faith mm-hmm. and all that, and their kids and stuff. So they always they're, they're always expecting us every year. <laughs> That's so awesome. Because again, That's they're so, a predominantly they're black people. church, and we're white people. Yeah, so, you know, and we come, yes. but they make us feel welcome and all that. That's great. I love that. <clears throat> so as we get started about the book, um, upsets the world. Tell us where that came from. The world came from uh, me reading through the book of Acts, and there is a verse in the book of Acts that just really intrigued me. Um, Mm -hmm. It was Acts chapter number 17 and verse 6. It says, these men have caused trouble all over the world, and now they are here to disturb our city too. But as I did a deeper dig into that text, that 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 uh, phrase caused trouble literally means to upset. Yeah. And uh, I thought to myself, wow, this this sounds like the most exaggerative and prophetic statement I've ever heard from these angry wow. people. And mm-hmm. and one point, uh, it you know, on one side it is exaggerative in that they had not actually got to the whole world. Uh, mm-hmm. But the other side of that same coin was prophetic in that, wow, maybe they were being used by God to prophesy that this this message mm-hmm. would go all over the world. Because here we are 2,000 years later, and the gospel message is still reaching people <clears throat> and causing this kind of trouble, quote unquote, upsetting mm-hmm. all over the world. And um, yeah. I began to be intrigued by that. I did a deeper dive into the study of that word. And, you know, when we hear the word upset, we think somebody's mad, frustrated, irritated, angry. Yeah. But by definition, to, to upset literally means to turn over. 
And once I mm-hmm. had the simplicity of that definition, what I, what I understood was I don't know anybody that's coming to a relationship with Jesus Christ truly that hasn't had their life turned upside down by his message, his love, yeah, and his hope. That's true. And, you know, as you said, talked about, you know, people sharing their faith and all that, especially the millennials are scared of what the world will think. Um, why do you yeah. think that is? Do you think that we've done a poor job of being that example as, a, as our generation is trying to raise this next generation? Yeah, you know what? I think, uh, I think a lot of times we can get, we can get lost in um, a, a lot of America's cultural norms, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, America um, checks their boxes by how many people are following you, how many people showed up to the event. Uh, how many people you can influence, how popular you are. And the kingdom operates by a, a, a clearly different set of parameters. And, mm-hmm. you know, Matthew 28 was, uh, was very, very simple. You know, Christ's mandate to, to the disciples who would be apostles was, hey, I want you to go make disciples of all nations. And yep. I don't think, you know, Christ wasn't about hitting a number. He was like, hey, man, I, I want you to reach at least 200,000 people in Jerusalem at least 150,000 people. If you can get me 10,000 people from Samaria, that would be great. And then go to the uttermost parts of the world. He was just basically going, yeah. hey, every place you go to, make a disciple. <laughs> yeah. Wherever you go, you know, make I, a disciple. Yeah. And, you know, I think that every one of your chapters are worded so great that I, I created my questions just around the chapter name. I think that, you know what, let's dig into each chapter just a little bit. To give people yeah. just enough to where they can say, wow, I want to buy that book, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. You know, I appreciate it. So explain what you mean on upsetters are first upset themselves. Yeah. It goes back to my statement about um, people encountering Jesus Christ. I don't know anybody that's truly encountered Jesus that hasn't had their life turned upside down. And yeah. in order to upset others, you have to be upset first. Here I am, yeah. 24 years removed from the day I gave my life to Jesus, but I'm still not over it. Like, if I stop mm-hmm. and think about it long enough, I will have tears well up in my eyes because I know who I was the day before I gave my life to Christ. <laughs> yeah. And if I just keep that in perspective and understand what my past was and what my present and future has been since making that decision, man, it's still upsetting to me. And so if yeah. we're upset first, it's easy for us to get on board with upsetting others. And I can relate to that because um, <clears throat> I went through 19 years of addictions and mm. until God healed me over 12 years ago now. And I, when I say healed, you'll see why I'll tell a little story real quick. Um, but in the first five years of our marriage, my wife went through a lot of pain because of my addictions. And all that, yeah. and but you know, she did what she felt. She leaned on God, and she loved me. She uplifted me. She never nagged me. She never put me down for the addictions. She loved me in spite of the addictions. And I remember sometimes when we tell our story, sometimes people will say have smart remarks. Oh, she allowed you to walk over her, and I have to stop them. Mm. No, she allowed me to experience God's pure love through her, because there's no way I'd yeah. be alive today. And now we got yeah. some kids and all that. And, but, but I can remember that morning, December 26, 2007, that I pleaded with God. 
was like, um, and I've been saved before that, but of course backslid mm-hmm. and life and all that. And but at this point, it was like I couldn't get capture the, I couldn't get a hold of the whole addiction thing. And I remember I, I'm watching my marriage go fall to pieces because she didn't deserve that. And I was basically at my wits' end. And I remember waking up December 26, 2007, and it was the first time I ever got drunk on Christmas Day. Ever, never done that. Mm-hmm. And I remember waking up and pleading with God. Says, and I didn't ask Him to help me quit getting and drugging. My request was to please help, please take the desire away. I knew I couldn't be one of those yeah. people that you go one day at a time. I, I'm just not. Yeah made for that i needed that desire gone and i basically told god it's either that or i take my life i mean i was at that point i was i was ready to leave this Mm. earth because i felt like that she had been better off without me felt like everybody had been better off with it's like i can't beat this and i remember god telling me give me 30 days now i'm thinking okay is this the enemy talking i i i Mm. still remember this as clear as day that morning I remember thinking, is this the enemy? Because I'm like, why? Because I'm like, you're God. Why do you need 30 days? You know, that's what my first thought. Right. right but what right, I didn't right. know then that I understand now is every miracle that happened in the Bible was preceded by some form of obedience. Mm. I didn't get that at that so time. Good. Now, when I look back, the very the, that very first month was was I felt like maybe God was telling me, look, if you can stay sober thirty days, that's all I'm saying, just thirty days, I will heal you the rest of your life. Yeah. And I remember about the twenty eight day marks, twenty somewhere in there. I have never had that desire since, and it's been over twelve years now. Wow, wow, <clears throat> and that's such an encouraging testimony. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. <laughs> and and I've had people tell, and I've had. Hardcore um, AA people and uh, Celebrate Recovery people. I've had some of those tell me I shouldn't share that story with people. And I'm like, why? Because hmm. they're like, well, that's not going to happen to most people. They're, God's just not going to heal people. Like that. In fact, wow. and, and, and sometimes they question whether I'm like that. I'm like, you can go talk to my wife. She'll be the first to tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. I, I have that, proof. That, <laughs> <laughs> that before and after is two different things. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Exactly right. But I can definitely relate wow. to what you were saying on that, and I thought I'd share that story with you because, again, you know, when I think – and, again, I don't know if my conversion was back in 97 or if it was that moment. Either way, I had a conversion for sure then. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> you know? good. That's absolutely right. Because that's kind of my date. That's great. So let's go to the second um, one where upsetters love people. I I love that because I I think (laughs) we're missing that component in this day and time. We really are. Jesus' command was very, very simple, that you should uh, love love your Lord that guy with all your heart, your mind your strength and you should love your neighbor as yourself. And mm-hmm. it's almost like we've taken that command and uh, use that our, use it at our own discretion. And that's True. not what we're supposed to do with commands. We're simply supposed to mm-hmm. obey them. And so uh, I, I break down in that chapter that, that we love people and 
Uh, Christ even tells us how to deal with people that we would deem unlovable. And the Holy Spirit's power gives us the capacity to love people who are not even worthy of our love because we're reminded Mm -hmm. that Christ loved us before we knew to love him. And so I'm just trying to get people uh, back to the simplicity of what Scripture says about loving people because in a cynical world Mm -hmm. like the one we live in, when we show love to people, it literally upsets their world. And, you know, going back to my story, most women would have left me, but my wife loved me. Mm. Yeah. And, again, that's That's the power of love because I really felt like she brought her in to change to, to heal me because I know a lot of people they yes. you know, they don't get that but but I really believe that when if God really brings two people together it's to heal each other through each other that's right that's exactly right that's exactly right now the next one is the t- as one of the tough ones uh, <laughs> fetters aren't in control that's the tough one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So what do you mean by that? (laughs) So when I say upsetters are not in control, I'm dealing with the uh, uh, perspective that once we give our life to Jesus Christ, we are committing to Mm -hmm. his will and his way over and above our will and our way. There's a great passage in Proverbs 16 and 9 that says, we make our own plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And if I was going to elaborate mm-hmm. on that, I would say that, <laughs> hey, you can make any plan you want, but just check in with the boss first because he <laughs> might have a different way he wants you to execute that thing. And so when we, when we submit to his lordship, what we're really saying is, hey, we're not in control, and whatever you want to do to me today, through me today, that might bring somebody else closer or into the kingdom of God, you have full mm-hmm. permission to use my personality, to use my um, uh, charisma, to use my um, intellect, to use my testimony, to use my story. Whatever it is, Lord, today I'm not in control Mm -hmm. of how it's going to go. And if you want me to be used by you to get somebody else closer to you, uh, I say yes. And, you know, I got a story to that, too, about the control and two, it's funny, it just popped in my head here. For years, I mean, we live in Savannah, Georgia. And for years, we've been wanting to move to Jacksonville, Florida. That's always been like a dream of ours. That, if we could live any – I believe Jacksonville, Florida is the best-kept secret of Florida. Everything wow. you need right there, and you don't have to be in – you don't have to have all the population of the south of Florida. You know, it just has everything mm-hmm. right there. People just – but when you think of Florida, you do not think of Jacksonville at all. But yeah. it's that good yeah. to me. <clears throat> and so we've always had this dream of moving there and moving there. And, and so because we live in Savannah, we drive back and forth a lot, a c- couple times a month. A lot, we take, we mm-hmm. like to take two or three day trips a month, before, uh, pre-COVID, awesome. of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we'd go to Jacksonville. We'd go to Charleston. We'd go to Jacksonville because both of them are two hours away. But we, Jacksonville, we just fell in love with. And we were connected to the city, but we never find, like, meaningful connections there. And I'm the type of person, if I'm going to move, I'd like to kind of make connections as, as we're making a transition. That way when mm-hmm. it makes the movement smoother. And about six, seven, eight months ago, I told Sandy, I was like, you know, what if Jacksonville's not where, where God wants us? What if that's where we want? Because I got to mm. looking where all my connections are. 
I mean, all yeah. of a sudden, behind the scenes, I started looking at 90% of the people we know, even though we live in Savannah, 90% of people we know are in Nashville. Mm. And I and I had wow. to really take a deep breath there, like whoa, you know, because this again, this shook me up because I, that's my dream place. You don't mess with that, you know. I'm, you know, right, right. I'm, you're, I'm moving to Jacksonville, and, and I fought for years, and just, but nothing would, no, nothing ever worked for us to move there, <laughs> so, you yeah. know. So I look back down, and again, I was telling Sandy, I said, like, what if? We're supposed to move to Nashville. I mean, what if that's where we're supposed to be? Because, again, as we've got so many connections in Nashville. Um, a, a lot of your top PR companies there love us. We're, bigger artists are starting to get to know us. Um, Nashville people are starting to talk about us with our show and stuff. So I'm sitting there like, oh, whoa, whoa, maybe there's a different plan here. That, and we already we even found a church. Even though we've never been in Nashville, we already found a church there, the cross point um, that would probably be our – home church there that they you know we've reached out to them and i've chatted with them on the phone and stuff really liked what they're doing <clears throat> and i'm sitting there like okay this is really weird you know and some people are like well why would you move to a place you have never visited here's the funny part yeah. of that story when sandy and i met in 2002 we we met online not back then as you know it was taboo everybody meets online now but back then nobody met right online. right and I, yeah. we met on February 2nd of 02. We talked on the phone for the first time February 4th. We set a wedding date February 18th, and we met in person March 4th because we lived in different states, 500 ah. miles apart. <laughs> so, so we were meeting to see who we were going to marry. <laughs> wow. And, and it made me think, well, it worked once. Maybe it's going to work again. Maybe because we're planning on visiting later this year to Nashville. Like, well, I guess we're kind of going to be visiting where we're planning on moving. So, kind of same story. <laughs> wow. And a part of wow. me wonders if God wants that story because again, that's all, our life has always been about faith. It's always, I mean, everything we've done has been yeah. nothing but faith. And there's been things in our story that we're like, how are we even doing this? And we've always been pretty much broke our life but yet we've got to experience a lot of life because other people step in and you know we, we've been to houston stayed with the, with some friends for four or five days because they the guy was planning on having me possibly take over his company as he was older he was kind of a mentor of mine but I, we just I couldn't do houston I, I just i'm an east coaster you know i mean <laughs> i just couldn't yeah, do yeah. it but but just little things like that's happened through our life so we've got to experience a lot of life on very limited budget <laughs> yeah, you know, and wow. you know, and you know, and we and we've kept always kept our expenses low because we want to be the, uh, that twenty four seven couple. We've all we I want to go to my deathbed saying I lived the marriage I set out because I set out to find a woman that would be willing to build a legacy together twenty four seven. In mm-hmm. fact, the first time we ever spent the night apart was almost three weeks ago when she had to have a major surgery. Thank God she made it through mm. and all that. But yeah. that was the first yeah. time in 17 years that we ever been apart uh, overnight. Wow. And, it, you know, so again, you know, I feel like Nashville, got, there's, there's that continuation of this crazy story. There's so many things in our life where we've just, like I remember we tried to launch this one business up in Charlotte because we considered moving there 10 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't have them, I mean, I, I, I was, creating a dining cart. I was kind of copying something Savannah was doing for there. 
and because they didn't have this at that time. And it was a dining mm-hmm. card. And, but I didn't have enough money to buy the cards, and I didn't have enough money to buy a machine to, buy the, to make the cards. So the, uh, the side of me was like, okay, I'll just – I got on the phone, got on Facebook, and reached out to people. I sold enough cards to buy the machine, bought the machine, made the cards, and mailed it to them. Wow. And wow. <laughs> so, you know, it's one you know, I remember Jim Rohn a while back saying on one of his things that you either buy and then sell or you sell then buy. Mm. I'd rather sell than buy, that way you don't lose money. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> And of course, one of the things again, like not in control. That you know, that's all. All this really, the space that we walked that we have no control over. And I, and sometimes I'm like, I, I second guess me. I'm like, am I really supposed to be in Nashville? But yet everything there seems like it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Without Next a doubt. Next one is another tough one for people. Upsetters aren't. Religious, and I love that because, again, I am a conservative, mm-hmm. but I see my conservative friends being very religious, <laughs> and they don't even yep. see it. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Uh, so tell us about that one. Yeah. So when I when I talk about upsetters not being religious, what I am aware of is that everybody is religious about something, whether it's yeah. their favorite meal. Uh, their, Mine's about their favorite, yeah, your marriage or or whatever. Um, everybody is uh, religious about something, but what Scripture talks about in the Old Testament mm. and in the New Testament with Jesus is that if what you are religious about loses who the person is about, it becomes empty. Mm. And so my, my example wow. to that is, you know, Juliet and I have a date night every Friday night. I, we, we set aside time to enjoy each other's mm-hmm. presence. So whether we go out or whether we stay in, we've set aside time to just enjoy each other's presence. Um, and we're religious about Friday night, date nights. Well, mm-hmm. it would be empty if we get up on Friday morning, Juliet's not feeling that well, mm-hmm. and by Friday night she's going, baby, I, I can't go out. I'm not feeling good at all. And I say in response, well, listen, um, I'm going to go ahead and still go to the movies, and I'll let you know what it was all about because I'm religious oh, wow. about our date night. That's a good point. Even though you're not going to be with me, I still got to go to the movies because that's what we've set aside. Well, if I go to the movies without the, the person, I was, the point's gone. And and when God relig- uh, addresses empty religion in the Old Testament and Jesus addresses uh, religion in the New Testament, what he's saying is, hey, guys, if you're doing this and you don't have God in mind, then it's mm-hmm. empty. And so yeah. I'm always, I'm always um, encouraging people about uh, being religious about the relationship, <laughs> you know, I and – uh, not not just being religious for the sake of religion, and so yeah. uh, when I when I talk about upsetters not being religious, what I'm really pointing to is the fact that we care about our relationship with Jesus Christ, and whatever yeah. that relationship is, that's where we want to be. 
If it's in the church house on Sunday mornings, we want to be in his presence. If it's during our quiet time at home, we want to be in his presence. If it's on my car ride Mm -hmm. to the airport, I want to be in his presence. Wherever (laughs) I am, I want him to be Mm -hmm. with me, and I don't want to be doing anything ever for him without him. Yeah, I love that. um, Upsetters do good. We need more of this, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, So Acts uh, chapter number 10, verse number 38 says, and we know that Jesus Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around doing good and uh, uh, healing all of those that were oppressed by demons. That phrase, he went around doing good, is really what mm-hmm. he built his reputation off of. It wasn't, that yeah. he, it wasn't just that he did miracles. It was just the fact that he was purely a nice guy. I mean, when when your first yeah. miracle is turning water into wine, you're just a nice dude, <laughs> and you're Jesus, right? I mean, and you and you happen to be Jesus. I mean, you you know, thousands of people have come to hear you. They're really hungry. You just decided lunch is on you that day. You buy everybody lunch. You're just a nice guy, and <laughs> I feel like if if we would become uh, I know this used to be have a really negative connotation, but if we would get mm-hmm. back as Christians to being quote unquote do gooders, man, mm-hmm. we would turn this world upside down. That if that's so the true. biggest the biggest accusation that could be made by the world to Jesus' bride, it would be the biggest compliment that we could ever receive. Man, these people just do too yeah. much good. I mean, they're buying people's groceries. They're helping people out at the store. They're, you know, this guy found out that the lady didn't have diapers for her kids. He goes in there and buys her diapers and then, and then takes them to her house and builds up the crib. And, I mean, if we, if we really became do-gooders, the world mm-hmm. couldn't handle it. <laughs> That's There's true. so much bad and cynicism in the world that just doing good has an exponential effect on people's psyche because it's not mm-hmm. something that happens every day. Yeah. And, and you know, the next one, upsetters love life. That's me. I, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to say I don't get down. I have my moments. But I'm going yeah. to love life. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I'm the same and way. I, think, um, I feel like – oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And I think going through 19 years of addictions – to almost destroying this marriage makes me do life even more because I was there. I almost lost it all, and God brought yeah. it back. Oh, absolutely. And I think I think it is sweeter for those of us that have been mm-hmm. on the brink of losing it all and see God restore that that we that we just have a perspective on life that uh, might be unique and different from others. But that's my that's my. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my hope and my prayer is that when people read that particular chapter, that they that they find no matter whether they no matter where they find themselves in life, that they can love the life they find themselves in because they know the person who's with them in their life. Yeah. Now the next one, I thought you misspelled. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back and reread the thing. <laughs> you know, the upsetters disturb the peace. P I E C E. Tell us right. about that. What? How did you make that twist on it? 
Yeah. So as I looked through, as I looked through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and uh, began to kind of see a pattern. I saw a pattern forming, <clears throat> forming with Jesus. And the pattern mm-hmm. was whoever he met, he was able in a very, very um, uh, direct way, he was able to disturb the peace of them that was out of alignment with his will and his way. Mm. So whether we're talking about Peter on the boat and he, him disturbing uh, the peace of Peter that, that thinks he knows how to run his business, and mm-hmm. uh, Jesus says, hey, let's go out in the daytime in the deep and catch fish, and Peter's like, uh, yeah, that's not how it works. We go out in the nighttime in the shallow and catch fish, and mm. Jesus disturbs his peace. He disturbs what Peter yeah. thinks is the way his mm. business is supposed to run. And it becomes yeah. the greatest catch that he's ever had in a day. This would have been the greatest day of sales in Peter's mm. company. And Peter's response is, oh, I am a sinner. I don't deserve this. And now I quit the business. I'm going to follow you. <laughs> mm. Jesus is good, good at disturbing the peace of us that is out of alignment with his will and his way. And so we, we as his ambassadors have this same opportunity uh, on a day-to-day basis for look for these unique times and moments when God may want us to disturb somebody's peace and show them where they might be out of alignment with God's will. I love that. So as we got the two more left, um, so they get used uh, upsetting people <laughs> Again I get where you're coming from That's probably another tough one for people Because you could take that in a couple ways Especially from our conversation here now Yeah um, <laughs> and, 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 and that title again <laughs> What was the title, title of that uh, chapter? Setters Get used to upsetting people That's right So that that particular chapter for me is the discipleship model is I believe Matthew 28 was a a command to go upset the world, right? Go make disciples of all nations. Basically what Jesus was saying was the same thing I've I've done to you, you need to now do to others. (laughs) So upsetters upset other people. We spend the rest of our lives in this beautiful uh, conspiracy with the Holy Spirit for the mm-hmm. souls of men and women to come into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and we do that by um, being sensitive to these moments by which we can either do something or say something mm-hmm. that leaves an impact on somebody's life and allows them to have their world uh, turned upside down. You know, a lot of people always talk about soul winning and, and the harvest being ripe and we need to go out there and win souls. But a lot of people forget my wife happens to be a gardener and, um, mm-hmm. Seed time and irrigation is as important as the harvest. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have been under so much pressure uh, when we talk about evangelism to always win a soul and always be winning to somebody to Jesus that we forgot that sometimes God just wants to use us to plant a seed. And other times he just wants to use us to water the seed. And at some point that heart will be open enough to receive the gospel message and, and make a decision for Jesus. But until then, we get to plant seeds and we get to water. And that's really a fun thing to be a part of. Most definitely. So what would you say would be the difference between the used to upsetting people and the next chapter, 
upsetters upset the world. Yeah. So uh, I wrap up uh, just by saying, hey, listen, w- we get to do this to the whole world. And and mm. saying that sounds very, very daunting, right? You tell somebody, hey, your yeah. assignment is to go upset the world, and they go, oh, my goodness, I don't even have a passport, <laughs> right? I've never left. Yeah. I've never left California. How am I supposed to get all the way around the world? Well, the context is that we all have the ability to upset the world around us. So mm. whether that's in your immediate family, your extended family, your friends, your neighbors, mm. your coworker, your classmates, every single one of us has a world that we're already in that we share mm. with others. Awesome. So as we come to a close here, what is the takeaway? What, what, what do you want the book to come across for people? I want this book to come across uh, uh, to encourage and uh, put boldness in people uh, to actually uh, be a part of Jesus' movement. Jesus' movement is to make disciples of all nations. And if we would just embody that and use the practical tips in this book to execute it, Mm -hmm. we would see this world uh, in a much different light. Uh, and we would see our role in it uh, in a much more active uh, light. And I, and I think if people get the book, this is going to be their outcome. I love that. And, you know, as we end here, I want to tell you something that, you know, changed me in a direction I didn't, you know, funny about this whole upsetting thing. When, when Sandy and I first married – 17 years ago, my ideal, my purpose, what I thought God wanted me to do was be that motivational speaker, the person that's on stage. And then Sandy, when we married, was this big um, music person. Mm-hmm. So we're in the car. I listen to motivational audios 24-7. I did that religiously. Sandy mm-hmm. played music religiously. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. there's a little issue there. So we had to learn to compromise and we do fifty I always joked I always kinda joked that she kinda brainwashed me in all the music stuff. Because um, I was I was committed. I was you know, I I heard so many tapes back then um that talked about that if you're serious about whatever business you're in, your your car will be in uh, mobile auto university, auto university. And mm-hmm. so I was like, no, you know, I, again, like you said, the whole religious thing. I was like, nope, you ain't, I'm not playing no music. I'm going this way because this is the direction. And here it is, 10 years later. Granted, what we're doing here is for a magazine that I'm writing for. But outside of that, my show, The Crystal Sandy Show, God pulled us together to where I get to speak because I talk to all these people, and so does she. But she gets her music. Because we're in, the, we interview all these artists, and here, and if you'd have told me five years ago, three years ago, that I would fall in love with interviewing people at a last, mm. I would have like, no, that's not going to happen. That's that's not where I'm going, you know. And now it's like I can't get enough of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So again, it's God. Awesome kind of upset it there and came in and upset my peace there because again I was I was going another direction no way around it 
not saying that he won't eventually guide us towards speaking on stage. It'll probably happen. I've done it a bunch, uh, quite a bit of times telling our story, marriage story, our marriage addiction story. Mm-hmm. But I also know that there's no way he's not behind this because we've done way too much with the Christmas Handy Show already. And it's like, okay, right. so we shouldn't be interviewing some of these artists. Like I, I mean, I've got 2,300 fans on our page. She has 1 million fans, but yet she's on my show. <laughs> Wow! Wow! <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, only—I mean, only God can do that. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. <clears throat> so I'm sitting here like, okay, I don't know what he's up with the show, but I feel like our show is going to be our foundation to everything, and everything else builds out from that. So we just keep on it, and we do this show every single day. Like I said, we interviewed someone at two o'clock because because our music show goes for sixty minutes. And, it's, mm-hmm. and our tagline is up close and personal because that was my whole thing is for up-and-coming artists, they don't have a platform to tell their stories. I'm yeah. on a platform. Yeah. That's so awesome. Well, man, keep upsetting the world. Thought, I'm so happy for you. thought I would like this, but here we are. And like I said, when I seen the opportunity to interview you, I was like, oh, that's right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad it worked, and I appreciate you allowing me to be on your platform. It does mean a lot to us. Thank you. All right. We appreciate it, and we look forward to meeting you one day. I hope it's sooner than later. Sounds good to us, and you have a great day, and go go spend it with your wife. <laughs> okay. Yours as well. Blessings to you. Thank you so much, Chris. All right. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs>